106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Tripped on a cloud and fell eight miles high. I tore my mind on a jagged sky. Okay, you know, you guys aren't privy to all the new so, uh, you know, that's what you, uh, that's what you pay me for. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. Yeah, let's cut through the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? I lost you $60,000. There is no one who wants to make that money back for you more than I do. There's just one thing, dude. What's that? You have to use so many cuss words. What the f*** are you talking about? Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. I woke up this morning with the sun down. Welcome up, it's Jackson Jacks. Time tomorrow, Andrew on the board. SP Futures up 28, and NASDAQ Futures up 84. A little rally. We got some green here. I haven't seen that for a couple days. Uh, I uh, didn't think we would have a rally today because we could really use one. Don't usually the market doesn't usually give you what you need, Kevin. But maybe today, you know, once in a while, uh, the big guy shines on us all, right? Maybe. Uh, so. Well, I, I think there's a song about you know can't always get what you want, but you know you get what you need. Yeah. What, what is, you can't always get what you want, but you'll find that you'll find that what. By the way, I did not give you a hard enough time uh, on on Wednesday. I think it was Tuesday that you uh, that you wondered if Crosstown Traffic was a Cream song. Um, no, it's uh, Jimi Hendrix. That's right. Yep. <laughs> That's right. I was gonna. I was gonna. I, I, I think I texted to Matt, or maybe I tweeted it. I don't know. But I, I said, you know, Tom, you got to turn in your '60s membership. Well, you know, it's uh, you can't, you can't get Hendrix wrong. Sorry, not allowed. No, I, uh, you know, it's one of those deals where uh, even the albums I have, I, rec- I recognize all the songs. I, you know, I guess, think for a minute who the hell it was. I mean, it's just one of those. You know, that's what doc- it's one of the reasons why I think Doctor J and I were pretty good on the air together. Is I'd read an article and I immediately, years later, I could tell you the substance of the article, especially if it was something new and I'd never heard before. I have no idea who the hell wrote it or where I saw it. Where, where Jan would always remember the the name of the person and not necessarily what was in the article. So we were we were a, a perfect compliment. Good, a lot good of yin yang. Huh? Yeah, we're good yin yang. Um, man, we got we got stuff to talk about today. Uh, hey, I got a question for you though. I, uh, of course, I it was in the Tribune yesterday, and this lady wrote an editorial an op-ed piece, and I'm trying to find her name. I th- I think I know. I think it's I think it's in, and she's here in Chicago. So get, get John on the line. Yeah, no kidding. I think she's here in Chicago. Um, she's, I don't know if you ever Chicago think tank or someplace, but she's, uh, you ever hear of this Final Four voting? Yeah, hate it. Really? Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's, it, it's, um, basically, you're, you're, uh, saying this is my first place vote, this is my second place vote, etc., and, and so everybody's getting a certain amount of weight. And it can wind up in going multiple rounds, you know, with the same vote. You don't you don't go revote it, but you just, you know, recap. You know, you take the ballots and you say, okay, now what do I have in round two and so on. I, it seems to me it's just too. It is. Too, 
it, it's, first of all, it's too convoluted. Nobody's going to understand it. So if you think we have problems with people worried about election integrity now, um, if, if nobody understands how the votes are counted, that's going to be an even bigger problem. Well, what, what would you, I mean, I, I get it. I mean, I, I, by the way, I was reading it, I didn't study it, and I guess somebody's doing a final five today, right? There are a few places out there that do elections that way now. Well, the, anyway, the, the, the point from this, and I'm, I'm certainly not going to say that it's, it's perfect, it, it sort of intrigued me, because whenever you, you know, whenever you sense something that isn't working out the way maybe it ought to, and you try something different, I mean, everybody's going to basically snipe at it, and for, and for a lot of good reasons. I mean, maybe the, the solution is, is, is as bad as the thing before it or whatever. But where I'm coming from with this, and where the, the just the article was, is this this I don't know, she she designed it or whatever. But um, the, the point being is, is these is the primary elections start to get more and more. I mean, it, she she started out with the amount of people that actually vote for the person that is in office, especially since most of your elections countrywide are not the the, the final election is not even really all that. Uh, um, competitive. Some places it's not competitive at all. If it's a Republican district or if it's a Democratic district, generally the other side either doesn't show up or half-ass shows up. And then, and then you have, that's why you have the Senate races where you've got what, five five races that are real, right? Or seven or something. And her point being is 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 it be, is the structure right now is that in, the, in a Republican area, for whatever reason, the most the most right-wing, I use the term goofball, if only 20% of the Republicans vote, those are the 20% that are going to vote. Same thing on the Democratic side. Yeah, the true believers. Yeah. Only the true believers vote in the primaries. So you end up with people that get in there that really because, and, I, I've, and I'm a full proponent of this, that, that politics is a business. It's just a business that we all, including me, don't necessarily understand. But her point is, if you're being put in by that 20% of people, one side or the other, you can never compromise because that 20% of the people, either side, does ne- doesn't want you to. They, there's no way on earth, if, if, if you're in one district and you're the Republican guy and the, the Democratic guy is in the next district and you're elected by the extremes of each of your party, there's no way you go to Washington, shake hands and have a beer that night and say, what do we have in common? If, you're just, if you do that, you're like a traitor to the people who put you in there. Because the people who put you in there are not, you know, 80% of the population like you'd like to see voting. It's it's the 15, 20. And her statistics on, a, on the amount of people that vote in these primaries, God, they're pretty brutal, John. I mean, it's, or John, I'm sorry, uh, Kevin. It's, it's, they're, they're I pretty, got my middle name. Yeah, they're, they're, they're pretty brutal. I mean, I mean, even even Karen, when she ran with 17 people running, what would she say the turnout was, 28% or something? Or 29 or 30? I mean, it's, it's, I mean, they're brutally small. So, I mean, her, her point was, whatever we're doing now is not necessarily working towards the government that most of the people want, where you want compromise, you want people that with good ideas, you want them to flush the ideas out. So the, the way we're selecting people in a lot of these areas, that almost can't happen, because the people who put them in there uh, would, would, would be an uproar if, whatever, if they ever talked to the other side. Now, what, what I would like to do, and I don't, I don't know, uh, I'm, again, this, I'm not sure this would be the solution to make things worse, I would really like to go to the uh, Nebraska model, where in the Electoral College, for sure, to where whatever district your representative is, 
if you win the district, you get one elector. Elective, uh, elector. The idea of a state like Florida being, you know, 5,000 votes apart and it's a winner-take-all to me is insane. Because, that, I mean, that's, that, by any stretch, your, your older brother Tim, who was great in statistics, would tell us in a second that's a, that's a statistical dead heat. And, and to give everybody all the, all, either side, to give everybody all those electors to me is nuts. You, you just discarded half the people's votes. So I, I don't know how you, I mean, I, I'm not sure I want to go with the general election totals. Yeah, well, and, and just, you know, you, you do have to acknowledge, though, that it was intentionally designed that way. Um, well, whatever. <laughs> so, so if you want to change it, that's fine. Well, a guillotine, um, a guillotine you know, was intentionally designed that, to cut people's heads off, too. It's I mean. intentionally designed that way. And individual states are also welcome to, uh, you know, to change their own approach because it, it, it's intentionally designed so that the states can uh, vote in the Electoral College however they want. Well, I, my, I guess my, where I'm going with this is we have, you know, Trump and a lot of the lunatics on the right still talking about this, you know, uh, election was... The fact is, I mean, we have... I don't know how many you know, people... It, it, before you go any further on that, I am so tired of hearing about that, and and this is definitely a whataboutism. But for goodness sake, Hillary Clinton still says the two twenty sixteen was stolen from her. Um, uh, Stacey Abrams is, yeah, but, but know, lost, a- lost her governor last governor's race by fifty three thousand votes, and is claiming that was stolen from her. Well, but that's one um, person. Huh? But, 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 but no, 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 it's all over. Uh, Crazy on Pierre. Uh, uh, you know, is uh, the the president's official spokesperson uh, is on record as say, you know saying that uh, the the um, election the 2016 was stolen, and it's all and and <laughs> and it's pervasive. It's throughout media. Well, it's throughout liberal media, uh, and, and and so on. So you know what? It, I, I think everybody should just shut the hell up about it. Well, that's what I mean. But, I, that's exactly my point. I am. I am extremely tired of always having the Republicans be the example well, because well, well, I guess one of the reasons the reason for that, Kevin, to be blunt is, I haven't heard I haven't heard a word from Hillary in four years. I hear Trump every day. I guess that's why it's... Oh, Hillary was just, you know, she's, she I don't, finds her way onto media all the I, time. I don't... I, boy, I wouldn't pay any attention. If she was on, I'd turn it off. I, I, she, she can't... Let's put it this way. She can't her, find her way into my ear where, where Trump still does. How's that? I mean, in my ear. Maybe I'm not listening to the right places. I don't know, but I thought she was dead. I haven't, I haven't heard from her in two years. I, to be honest, I, I haven't, Kevin. I have not heard. I, I, I'd ask if she was in a, a nursing home. I, I've not seen or heard a lady yeah. in, in a year and a half. She, she, was just, she was just out um, uh, uh, stumping for Kathy Hochul this week. Really? I, uh, um, a governor candidate in, uh, in in New York. Well, to put a blunt, yeah, I, I, was, I would never look Hillary for Hillary Clinton and Kamala Harris. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's gonna draw them out. That's, yeah, that's gonna work for you. That's, that's not gonna work for you. But I, mean, I guess my my point is, Kevin, when you have an election of this magnitude, there's always gonna be a little slop on both sides because because the goal is for both parties to somehow get your people there, and, and if you could if you could put a, a train car across the a train, you know. Locked across the grade crossing for the for the bus of the other guys, people coming. You all do it. That's that's politics. Every one of these elections has what would you guess one percent slap, and, and, and it happens all the time. I mean, I, I mean, it, I don't I mean it, that's that's why I would like to to go to more of a a spread out you know the Nebraska approach. And you know, I'd like to, actually you know what I'd like to do Kevin. I would like to try it. You know me. I'd like to try it in two or three more states to see I'm right before I would ever. 
lap, lap, lap it down on a, on a country. And plan to check act, Tom. Yeah. You know, try it out. Yeah. Uh, see what you get. Check your results and then take for, uh, your, your uh, final action. But I, I honestly don't like voting in Illinois. smart people do it. That's not how government I don't. I don't like voting in Illinois. Because if I if I vote one way, because why why do I even go to the polls? You're, you're making a total <coughs> disincentive for people to go to the polls. I mean, people go to the polls to say no to the um, judges. Uh, to the judges, that's why you go. <laughs> <laughs> but but I mean, the whole idea that it's, it, but it's, it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> and and you can follow it up with a trip to the saloon. <laughs> yeah, well, that's well, that's what I that's my my but, you know. Go meet your next uh, your next Eric. Well, that's the thing. Well, Eric moved to Hyde Park. Well, guess what? His uh, his girlfriend's running for alderman. Oh no, kidding! She's boy, she's a bright lady, man. I'd I'd love to see her in there. She is. She's uh, she's half. I'm thinking she's she's half black, half Hungarian. Boy, talk about a brilliant and tough tough. <laughs> she she is not a shrinking violet. She was somebody that went to Washington early on as a. Staffer knows all the creatures, knows all the stuff, knows all where all the bones are buried. But she is an incredible talk to for hours. She is she's really something. And I you know I, what her chances are to become an alderman, I have no idea. But I don't know if I'd want to be on the 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 average alderman does not want to want to be on the debate stage with her. Let's put it that way. If there is such a thing for an alderman. Well, that's that's the new thing this uh, this year is uh, is is a, is a whole bunch of candidates out there that won't debate at all. Oh yeah, well. Richard Daly never would. Why would you give somebody the, the, the uh, you know, whatever, that status? Richard Richard Daly the first. Why would ever debate somebody? The, uh, most notable is Arizona. The um, uh, the Democratic candidate there refuses to debate. And, and, and she's even been on places like MSNBC that would supposedly be her friendly media, and they're challenging and say, well, if, if her ideas are so crazy, why wouldn't you go debate her? Because that's, that's what she always says, is that... Um, I don't know, I mean, I, I'm not so sure what I would do. Well, first of all, no, the reason she's not debating is that the uh, woman who's running and is probably going to win the, uh, um, the governorship in, uh, in Arizona uh, was a, a, a TV reporter for a lot of years. She's very, very oh, okay. savvy as a speaker. Yeah, 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 you got to be careful um, about that. So she's going to make her look, you know, and look. Uh, the other candidate's going to look bad. She just can't say it. She well, can't I, mean, say she won't I, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go, I wouldn't go have a, a sparring match with, with Mike Tyson either. I mean, you know, just saying. Well, I look. I personally, I expect people to defend their ideas um, and and to be challenged on them. I wish debates were conducted more productively, and I wish debate moderators would ask the questions that really matter to people rather than their uh, ideology questions but nevertheless I still want to see um, I still want to see the candidates stand up on the at the podium and uh, and go toe to toe with the with the opponent but why would I if I have if I have written I, lo- I love jousting with you because I don't I don't necessarily agree with what I'm saying I'm just <clears throat> playing devil's advocate if I'm uh, an accomplished writer and somebody who maybe is a deep thinker. I'd like to think that, well, fr- first of all, I'm not an accomplished writer, but and I've written a bunch of stuff and I plainly have put out all my all my spots. Why would I ever get on a stage with a buffoon like Trump and have him just insult me? That's his game. That's not my game. 
I don't know what to tell you, Tom. Uh, if if you could look calm under that pressure, you'd make a very, very strong, very positive uh, impression. How about if I said um, something like... Uh, unfortunately, you know, um, his, his opponent last time up was, um, uh, you know, was, uh, um, uh, let, let's say, up to the task of throwing out his own insults. Um, so that, that one debate that really got out of hand, you remember who the first person to interrupt was? Well, probably was Biden. <coughs> I would say no, no, it wasn't Biden. It was Chris Wallace. Oh, okay, but I'm, 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 I'm liable to say interrupt the Trump and then Biden and then Trump was you know who who had made such a bad Im- impression in the first debate that uh, um, that you know that is he was they were trying to rein him in you know the, the handlers the political people so he, he he listened for a little while and was like okay if this is the way it's going to be welcome to my home field. Well, how, and, how about uh, if I uh, turned into a food fight? Well, how about if I said something along the lines where, if he says, you know, you're you're overweight and your hands are small, which really means your your appendage is small, right? I mean, if he did something like that, and I said something like, why don't you leave your Secret Service people here? Let's go in the back room and take our coats off, and we, we'll see who comes walking out. What if I said something like that? Well, Biden has said that. So take him behind the uh, behind the building and beat him up. Uh, but I would say right to his I don't face. Think you've said that lately, though, because I don't think he. I don't no. think there's any delusion that he could do that now. But I, but I, I would, you know, I, I, I would mean it though. There'd be a difference. I mean, I, I wouldn't stand on national TV and be insulted by that idiot. Well, see, then you could stand up and say, "I am not going to be stand. I'm not going to stand here and be insulted by this idiot." So either we're going to rein him in, or that, that's. I think that's the prerogative. Yeah, that's I suppose. Just say, "I'm not. I'm not going to go anywhere near this." It, you know, you, you just look like a chicken. Well, I. Well, suppose I challenge him to to have uh, to write his his stuff down in, the, in a column in the paper every day for a week. That's a challenge too. The guy can't write. Do you know he can't write? Uh, I, I, I'll, I'll take a stab at it. What do you mean you'll take a stab at it? I'll I'll, I'll lob my opinion out there and, and see if he proves me wrong someday. What do they say that in life you either want to write something worth reading or? Or do something worth writing about. Okay, but you're, uh, so what you're saying, though, you is, is you're making an assumption that he can't write. What I'm saying is that, that that for somebody, if it was a uh, somebody who I thought was very, you know, Republican, very maybe should have been president, was like a guy like Howard Baker or somebody like that that has this massive history of writing and, and being in all these different jobs and is one of the most brilliant guys that was ever in Washington. I think. Uh, to go out on a, on a clown debate with somebody like that, to me, is, a, is, is lowering yourself to a certain Because the moderators are not going to be able to control the other person as much as they think they are. And it becomes a one-liner. It becomes... These, these debates are not debates, Kevin, by any stretch, in my mind. I'm just, that's just me. Yeah, and, the best debate I ever saw was the uh, vice presidential debate between um, uh, Cheney and... Um, Oh, what, what was the guy who ran uh, um, with Gore, uh, the senator from uh, Connecticut? Or well, yeah, they were two pretty bright guys. Yeah, and, and and the debate format was we're sitting at a table together with the moderator in the middle. Which which um, tells you a, a lot of stuff right out of the gate. I mean, it's just the way they're set up is 
we're 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 going to debate stuff, but we're not going to kill each other. And this is we're here for. Yeah, and I I would love to see the uh, the presidents do that. Yeah. Um, you know, the, now uh, uh, other debate formats that I've seen uh, that you know have fallen by the wayside was that they had the town hall format. Um, yeah. Where uh, um, people could directly ask questions, and uh, and they answer it. And that was that was Clinton and um, uh, uh, the elder George Bush. Well, I, I my and, and that was that was an interesting format, but you know, but we definitely definitely skewed to Clinton's favor uh, favor because he was so good in that format, and uh, um, and the elder George Bush did not relate well to every man. Right. Oh, yeah. That's well. That's that's sort of my point. I because the thing of it is, Kevin is uh well, this is not a, this is nothing uh, crazy for you. But who who is the guy who uh, he was he was Lieberman. By the way, was the guy. Who was the who was the who was the was it the Republican? There was some some guy in a debate where he did he didn't know the capital of uh, or the second largest city in was it uh, Syria or something. And the guy wouldn't let him off it. What's what's the name of the second line? I mean, I don't even I don't remember. There was a was it wasn't a general somebody who was a vice president. I don't know if it was for uh, who the hell it was, but anyway, the, the guy named the city and he goes, "What do you what do you think about what's going on in this this province or whatever the city?" And the guy didn't recognize the city. And you know, and to Did be he honest, try and bluff his way through it. No, and the guy just kept. Kept asking, "Well, how do you not know the name of the city?" I mean, he he just he just he just picked it up. Well, I I interview people, not not at that same level, but I interview people every day. You know, if if, if I ask you, gee, did you the guy who, uh, you know, who was the guy that hit the home run last night? You're, you're my you're my guest. I, I I guarantee you. I don't care who it is. Certainly, if it was me, if I researched enough, I would find some area that you had a weakness in, or somebody else. And if I just picked at that and kept on it and said, "Well, how the hell can you be president and not know the second highest people?" If I, if I want to do that, I could make even me, who's not even good at it, I could make anybody look like a buffoon if I wanted to. And that's that's not what I want a moderator to do to me or anybody else. I'm gonna I'm gonna say, it's it's. By the way, I must have slipped your mind. It's the second biggest city in, in Syria, and just go on. That would be me because my job is not to insult or, or or make somebody look bad. My job is to get knowledge out of them and if if i you know you know if you started asking me the names of the presidents in africa at a presidential debate i'd be i'd look like the biggest moron on earth because that that's not my strong point but if you got my opponent up there and started talking about markets and money supply and in economic history i gotta believe i do a real good job so what why would i want to put myself in that kind of a situation where somebody can pick me apart because there's nobody going into that job that knows all this stuff, and if you want to, if you want to screw with them, you can. I, 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 I honestly believe that. Yeah, you know, and I, I think the incident you're thinking of um, was uh, Gary Johnson, yeah, the, yeah. Um, libertarian candidate, and he was on a right. TV show. I think I think it was Morning Joe, um, and uh, and he somebody said uh, he said something about Aleppo. Yeah, that's right. And he said, "What's Aleppo?" Now, if somebody would have said. What's going on in uh, in Syria and describe the situation? He probably would have been fine. That's exactly right. And, and, and as a moderator, you should immediately recognize that, back up, and set the tone, and, and set it up for. That's what I would do. But my but I don't really want to insult people that are on the show with me. Why would I? I'm trying to. You know, my my job is not to 
mean, it, there's going to be a weakness someplace in everybody, right? Yeah. My job is so not the, to find. The question it. is, do you want to pimp the guy, or do you want to? Uh, yeah, um, basically. Uh, do, uh, do you want to? Do you want to get what he thinks? Yeah, and I and I, I think some of this is a gotcha, and I and I you know I I guess I I, I would I, and that's why these guys go over you know you know what are the questions? Well, there's a bunch of questions where I'm going to look good at. There's another question the other guy's going to look good at, right? I mean, especially if somebody has been in the you know, he's been in the foreign service and he knows every every head of state in South America. I mean, God help me if I get if I get in a debate with that guy about South America, whoever he is, right? That doesn't mean he's going to be a better president, you know. Or I'm just saying, this all gets this this gets crazy, which is really what we're talking about. And we come back. Let's talk a little bit about this uh, this the lady who wants to do the COVID forgiveness thing. It's a because boy, we'll you know, talk about that, and I do want to uh, hit hit on the uh, president's speech the other day too. But, uh, follow up on the conversation, but I have a, too, because I have a little bit different take on it. I have a. I'm not speaking of which. I, I am going to try and pimp my guest here a little bit because you and I are a little bit in apprehensions of this one sometimes. Uh, no hitter the other night, okay, in Houston. Uh, time of game, Mister Know It All. Oh, it was it was easily over three hours. Uh, like three three twenty six or something three and a half. Don Larson. Yeah, I'm sure it was because uh, I fell asleep. I didn't. La- I didn't last. Me too. The, the game. Me too. And uh, uh, Don Larson's perfect game in 1956. Time of it was game. Probably in Greg, Greg Maddox territory. Two hours, maybe two hours ten. Two oh six. Two oh six. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I think you're going to like the pitch clock, Tom. I think I am too. Now, what, what, uh, before we go to break, now, how do you think? How do you, I was just watching the game, and I, you know, I was actually doing something stupid. Like t- these relief pitchers, especially that big lefty, they're they're normally thirty five, forty seconds. How is it going to affect them? It's got to affect them dramatically. Oh well, having been to uh, um, a South Bend Cubs game or, or, or two, uh, it doesn't it, it doesn't really. They you know what? They just get the ball and pitch. But, uh, but how do you go with the part about uh, the longer you wait? One of our listeners. Uh, uh, Joe is a season ticket holder for the South Bend Cubs, so you know he could probably uh, um, text in on it, or or maybe he'll text me. I don't know. He's probably listening. Um, but uh, you know, I, I I think he's seen a whole lot of baseball with the pitch clock now. And how does it affect him? I mean, does it affect him performance wise? Yeah, it's probably going to change the way managers handle their bullpens because. Uh, you know, a lot of these guys do like to hold the ball, gear up, get their, uh, you know, get geared up for the next max effort pitch. Um, you're certainly not going to see as as many five inning saves um, or five out saves. I mean, um, and uh, uh, so you know that that may be one of the things that falls by the wayside. But other than that, I I, I just think it's it's going to be a, a real positive for the game because it's going to keep it moving. Well, what do you? How do you can? Uh, contrast that with our executive producer, Mr. Matt Weber, saying that he uh, for every for every second a max max effort fastball relief pitcher can wait for the next pitch, he picks up what a hundredth of a mile an hour or two hundredths of a mile an hour or something on his next pitch. Yeah, don't know what to tell you. That uh, you know, Maddie can uh, can uh, opine on that. It's hard for me to relate because I always had a rag arm anyway. Yeah, well, that's why you and I played first. It's a uh, that's that's a big part of it. Yep. Jesus, S&P futures up twenty eight. I'm happy we're we're long here today. After being down so much, we adjusted everything, so we're kind of open for a bounce. Question is, will it stay? We've had some uh, up moves the last few days that have not stayed. 
Uh, Dan Zay features up 83. Be right back. Saxon Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation of the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Alejandro on the board. The uh, S&P futures are up 27. I'm doing a little research here about trying to figure out how much money your your buddy Jack made on the Twitter deal, Kevin. You know Jack. You, you guys were having beers last week? You and Jack? Jack Dorsey? And when is Kevin going to get to the place? Or Andrew, I'll ask you. You ever going to get to the point where it, you're just Andrew? You're like Pele, you're like, you're like Yao, you're like... Uh, 
Gazelle. I mean, just, just the one name, everybody knows who the hell you are. I don't know. I kind of, I kind of like my last name. I think it's doesn't matter if you, but if you got the one name, everybody knows who you are. It's I mean, you're a big shot. I guess so. Yeah. I don't think Kevin's ever going to get there. He's, you know, he's had his chance. I mean, you, you, you still got to run. You might be able to, to do that anyway. Let's <laughs> futures up. I'm sorry, Dow futures up 184. I already gave the other stuff. We got a uh, bull market going here, or a bull morning anyway. I won't say a bull market. Caterpillar up 244. Chevron up 317. Goldman Sachs up. Uh, I don't see any red in the Dow pre-market here at all, uh, so maybe we'll have a good day. Uh, DAX, we're up in Europe. DAX up 225, that's 1.7%. FTSE up 96, 1.3. CAC around up 132, it's over 2%, so big rally over in Europe. In Asia, uh, Nikkei down 463, that's not a big rally. Shanghai up 72, 2.4%. Get a load of this, Hang Seng up 821, that's 5%. They've blown back past the $16,000 mark. Uh, they were 14.5 three days ago. So, uh, boy, talk about the bounce. Now, whether that's a bear market rally or not over there. Uh, anyway, the, uh, re China is reopening speculation. We're not sure exactly what that means, but uh, I guess it's a good thing, at least for today. Uh, yesterday, the Dow was down 146, S&P down 39, NASDAQ down 181, as we did not come back at all from Wednesday's debacle after the, the Powell News Conference. Uh, bonds... Up three basis points, 4.15. The Bund up three basis points, 2.28. Japan continually stays unchanged at 0.25 as they do everything they possibly can to maintain both their currency level and their interest rate. Not sure why. Oil up to 321, 91.38. Rent up three bucks, 307, 97.74. Natural gas up 23 cents to 623. Even Arbob's up nine cents to 278. We've got gold. Up 23.90 to 16.54. First rally event of gold here in a while. Silver up 51 cents, 19.94. Uh, pushing at 20. Copper up 15 cents. That's almost 5% copper. Uh, it's 3.58. We've got uh, Bitcoin up 3.47 to 20,595. And we have the U.S. dollar. Uh, it's actually down a little bit today. We got so the uh, euro is back to 0.98, which is still low. And the pound's back to 1.12. A lot of stuff, Andrew. What do you got for us, traffic, weather, sports? Phillies got to win two and down in Astro Land. I'm sure they can do that. Yep, uh, that's we're about what it's going to get started off with. Uh, it's 6:39 here in Chicago on Friday, November 4th, and that's right. Uh, continuing the fight for the World Series, the Astros won against the Phillies last night, three to two, and now the Astros lead the entire series in three to two games. But over in the NHL, uh, we also had a win from the Blackhawks last night as they beat the Kings in a two to one game. And for Chicago weather, it is cloudy today with a chance of rain nearing about, about its highest around 1 p.m. Uh, and we're currently at 61 degrees with a high of 71. Over in Phoenix, we're currently clear at 45 degrees. We're going to have a high of 65. Now for Chicago traffic, thankfully there's only one accident today, as opposed to the many that there usually are. Uh, but this accident is very near downtown. It's blocking the left lane of the inbound Eisenhower uh, right near uh, Racine Avenue. Um, and not too many delays right now, but it could certainly build as traffic does behind it. Well, that's all I got today. Back to you, Chief. So, Kevin, uh, are you just going to be everything to know the name Kevin? And it's going to be you sometime. You know, I, I don't get that. Um, I don't get all that, but I do get your your Highness or your Royal or your Royal Highness or your Majesty at various times. Um, what was what was who was the guy on uh, and Benny Hill? What, not your your Royal Majesty. What was it? The guy <laughs> some wacko name with the guy with the crown. Well, anyway, so your buddy Jack made a cool $978 million on Twitter by bailing out of the place a year ago. <clears throat> That's not bad. 
that's not bad. Um, so got out at the right time, huh? What do you make of uh, Elon's going to cut half the staff today? What uh, I, I I always have I've mixed emotions when people do that. Obviously, it's always good for stocks. Of course, there's no stock anymore. Uh, whenever there's a hundred people working in a place, and somebody says they're going to can twenty. I, I get that there's places that are inefficient and maybe some that aren't, but uh, what it strikes me immediately, Kevin, is that I don't know that, in this case, it's, what, 3,700 people? How, how in God's name do 3,700 people, I'm, I'm showing my age before COVID, get on a train or get in their car, go in and do something for eight hours a day? How do, you, how do they do nothing? They must be doing something. <laughs> I mean, I even it might not be the most efficient in the world, but... If you can 20 people out of 100, it sure seems to me that best case, you've lowered the wages, that you've lowered the real wages to the rest of the 80 people because somebody's got to cover for whatever it is the 20 people used to do. Even if it's minimal, there's something they did, I would think. Yeah, assuming, assuming that um, they were doing something productive, uh, what, what you're saying is the work's not going away, just the people who do it. Yes. Um, and... And unless, you know, if you're doing mass layoffs, unless you redo the way the work is done, um, you, you know, the, the people who, re- you know, who stay are not going to be very happy either. And, if the, and to the extent that they have options, they'll be gone too. That's the... Uh, uh, in, in, in so that, that's, that's a problem. Uh, I've, I've seen it in action before, and uh, uh, it, it can be a real problem. Uh, now, I will say this. If, if Twitter really can cut that many people loose and still operate, then it, that's about the worst-run company I've ever seen in my life. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, are, they, are they salesmen? I mean, you, you cut your salesmen, you know what you get, less sales. I, I think they're getting rid of a lot of the people who don't write code. All right. I think they're just saying we don't need people who, who aren't. You know, the, the, the bureaucracy of Twitter is just way out of control. Well, that, that could very that, well that's be. That's what I think it's saying. Is it? What's the truth? Don't know. Don't know enough about Twitter to have an, an opinion on you know whether that's the right number, uh, you know, or where it is. Um, and and I'm never happy to see mass layoffs anyway. I think uh, they're they're a tragedy. Um, in 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 most cases, uh, they're uh, the the people who are getting laid off are not responsible for how things got the way they are in the first place. That when you get bloated, that's management's problem, and so you know it, what you have when you see the mass layoffs. In most cases, is we really screwed up. You're gone. Well, yeah, and it's a one of the things that in, in grad school I still remember this. And one of the principles we were taught uh, at University of Chicago, uh, not that that was makes it right or not, but is that the worst thing you can do, especially if you just show up at a company, if you really don't know anybody or I mean, you're supposed, to, you're supposed to be the chief executive. You're supposed to be somebody who knows something, right? Which we all know sometimes you are and sometimes you aren't, depending on your reputation. The worst thing you can do is walk in and say, we have too many people, everybody cuts, let's cut 10% across the board. Because what you're really doing is telling the world, you're a horse bleep manager, you don't know your own company. Because in that company, if you've got 50 departments, there's going to be a guy like Kevin where every single one of his people works all day long. And there's no there's no fat. So for you to lose two of ten either makes it that you can't do your job or something, you really hurt the place. For somebody else, 
who might just hire people just because he likes hiring people. He might have 20 when he only has, when he only really needs 10. So if you get rid of four people there, if it's a 20% cut, you haven't done anything. He's still got, he's still got six too many. So if you don't know your, if you don't know your place and know the managers and haven't made that sort of a determination, any kind of an across the board thing is insanity. And yet, how many times since I left business school, I've seen people do that? It's got to be in the hundreds. And yet, everybody knows it doesn't work, and everybody does it. Just saying. Yeah, I've, I've been in management where where they did the ten percent across the board, uh, and um, and never wanting to do that again. Uh, I have always run lean um, and always made damn sure that everybody in throughout the management team knew I was running lean. Well, my my stepfather, uh, because th- you know that's that's the only that's the only thing you can do is uh, at the management level is make sure everybody knows it, so that when it comes time and somebody says, "Well, we gotta we gotta clear out something here," and I will say, I'm, "I just want to remind you, you already know this." I'm not your problem. Um, I know my, my stepfather who uh, had some bad and some good, but he had a lot of good in him. And one of his good things back before it was popular, he he was a uh, controller and VP of finance, but he was a controller. In those days, you had a big accounting department. There were guys that, Kevin, you remember the days. I mean, there, was, there were accounts payable guys, accounts receivable guys. There were, But everybody basically sat at their desk with big hunks of paper and calculators and, made, and did all the stuff by hand, well, by calculator. And so his boss comes over one day and he says to him, well, I'm saying he, if you, would, if you went through his department, you know, 50 years ago, you'd see black people, you'd see Arabs, you'd see Indians. I don't even know where the hell he got all these people. He, didn't, he could care less what somebody looked like. As long as they showed up on time, gave him eight hours and went home and didn't cause any trouble, he could care less. And, uh, and that was somewhat unusual for a South Sider back in the day. Uh, but he was in the Army, and he, and he told me that's what he learned in the Army. People are willing to do stuff if they're willing to, to pitch in. Last thing you want to do is know where they went, to, where they go to church, <laughs> you know, whatever. He goes, but anyway, his, his boss says you got to lay off two people. He said, "Fine, why don't you come with me?" He walks into his accounting room. He's got like his 15 people in there. He goes, "Look around. You see anybody not working?" The guy goes, "Well, no." He goes, "All right, you pick two people." Because I can't. The guy says, "Why don't we just forget the whole thing?" You know. Good but, job. Yeah. I don't know what he'd have done if two people were sitting there on the internet, but <laughs> there was no internet. <laughs> there was no internet. <laughs> Thank God there was no internet. <laughs> Thank God there was no internet, <laughs> or there was no cell phones. Um, anyway, Kevin, let's let's well, talk. Well, before you do that, because I'll make this a quick hit. Right. Um, Lou had mentioned the president's speech yeah. and, and was very concerned about how, how divisive it was. Um, and, uh, and, and while I, I agree with him, what really struck me is that he kept talking about autocrats that you know that we're 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 trying to you know you, you vote democratic to save everybody from autocrats and i'm sitting here thinking does this guy not realize that what autocrats do is they issue things like vaccine mandates where you can't keep your job if you oh yeah if, if you don't get a vac- vaccination does this guy understand how many democratic governors uh, completely bypassed their uh, um, their uh, state legislatures, uh, and uh, and even even to the point of illegally bypassing their state legislatures, like uh, like here in Michigan and and in Wisconsin. It, you know, here in Michigan, our governor not only bypassed the state legislature, 
uh, after the emergency powers, uh, you know, the emergency uh, declaration, state of emergency declaration expired. But she lost in court, got told that she had to either drop everything that she is, the order she issued, or take them to the legislature and get approval for them, only to then turn around and say, okay, I'll have my health commissioner issue a health department state of emergency, which then got her back in court where she got told, oh, no, no, you can't end run us like that. Um, and so this this guy is out there and just bold-faced looking at us and saying, the Republicans want to be autocrats. You friggin' well, idiot. Well, Kevin, you, you have no idea, he's, 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 you know, no self-awareness. This is, this is the great line out of um, uh, Bull Durham at the end where uh, uh, the uh, um, a- Annie Savoy is, uh, you know, she's kind of doing uh, some work around the house and, and you get a, a narrative behind her and she's saying, I don't worry about nuke. The world is, the world is per- made for people who aren't burdened with self-awareness. <laughs> well, I would, say, I would say this, Kevin, and he's, I mean, I think, I don't know, I don't want to, I don't know the man, so I can't talk about his, his state, but it, it's it really for somebody who has been a lifelong Democrat up until you know ten years ago when I moved towards the center in this mess and realized that that party is not for me, neither is the other one. But and I feel like I'm, I'm I'm at home with a lot of people in that in that thinking. I never really thought that the oppression was going to come from the left, but it is. What you can read, what you can't read, what should be in the libraries. Uh, oh, I agree. As as a person who you know, I consider myself more uh, uh, small L libertarian. Um, not 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 too aligned with the Libertarian Party itself, but in terms of my political leaning, yeah, I always thought I had allies on the left when it came to items of free speech and uh, and the like. And and it turns out that's that's no longer true. Yeah, you, you thought that your your oppression was going to come from like the neocons and stuff, but it never really did. I mean, it, it, you know they. They started a couple of wars. We probably shouldn't have, but uh, they, you know, and gave, gave businesses a big. I mean, they, they had their faults, but this this whole idea of of telling other people what to do and how to behave, I I, I don't know where that came from. I mean, but it's, it's which is like the perfect lead into the article you wanted to. Discuss. Yeah, well, I, but you know, the funny part. I, I, I tweeted it during the break, though, so well, the, the listeners can have a look at it if they want. The uh, the funny part about this, the article is it's the one about. Uh, uh, COVID response forgiveness is from the Atlantic, and what's the lady's name? Yeah, right it's now? from the Atlantic, written by a woman named Emily Oster, uh, and it says, "Let's declare a pandemic and an amnesty. We need to forgive one another for what we did and said when we were in the dark about COVID." Um, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, Kevin, that that's the single biggest reason why I do this show. Other than the fact that I like talking to all you guys, and I like the listeners. I. Uh, it's it's the exact same issue that I've talked about for how many years about financial crimes and financial how the, the, you know people that uh, uh, combinations that shouldn't be there and and stuff that whenever somebody takes over a place and all of a sudden some poor old guy his prescription just went from five dollars to fifty because somebody bought the place and raised the prices I mean the idea that oh that's okay we'll just we'll just start fresh from today. No, Kevin. I want. I, I want to. I want to put these people in, in solitary confinement. I mean, th- you know, I, I don't. Th- th- I think that the part that's missing here. And the lady writes. I prefer flogging, but okay. Well, that's, yeah, we you know can't do that much. I'd, I'd go with ro- sort of rotten tomatoes at him type of thing. But uh, anyway, I, the whole point is that a lot. 
I can I guess I can paraphrase the article easily by saying, even though she goes further than that, by saying an awful lot of people, this was something that came down the pipe. Nobody knew what to think early on that the uh, uh, the decisions were such that you know she had her kids wearing masks on, on hikes in the mountains and and now she realized that that was a really pretty dumb idea and that a lot of people made decisions that as time went by they realized were the wrong ones and they did it all in, in good faith and good heart and we should just forgive all the stuff and stop pointing fingers is that, is that a fair assessment? I, I think that's probably a good summary of it and um you know, every time I kind of hear that, I, I, I almost, without any control over my uh, over my limbs, have my uh, arm go up in the air and my middle finger shoot up in the air. Well, I, I'm going to say that I'm going to be on one or two levels. Uh, I'm going to sound like uh, Vito Corleone in the meeting. If your neighbor uh, had, you know, maybe had masks on all her kids and wouldn't let her kid come near your kid and she just got overwhelmed by the seriousness of all this early on when nobody knew what to believe. And she, you know, and all of a sudden it's a year later and she realizes I really didn't need to do that. And maybe I didn't need to shout at the neighbor's kids and basically comes to the thing about, hey, I, 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 was, I was out of line. Are we still friends? I can get that part. I'll, I'll roll with that, Kevin. I mean, I, I really will. Uh, but the part, and, and I, in, in my family, we had, we didn't have a Thanksgiving one year because the little one, uh, was uh, had, was a little asthmatic, and by the way, her her uh, grandparents um, took care of her during the day, and they're in their seventies, and nobody wanted the COVID to get. It. I can see why people. I'm not going to be mad at my family for not having to think. You know, I can understand no, why. But, it, but it, that, that's not protecting people who were vulnerable was a reasonable yeah. thing to do. What I'm saying, that's let me, let me, elderly people, and that's people with some comorbidities, and that can include an asthmatic get, child. And that was a reasonable thing to do. The problem, Tom, is we knew. We had lots of counter-information yes. to this, and it was suppressed. Oh, I'm, I'm just... intentionally and vigorously me, suppressed. Give me 15 more Carl seconds. Carl can talk about this yeah. a little bit, because he is one who used to get, you know, he used to get knocked off of, uh, off of social media. Well, give me 15 uh, seconds, because what I'm, what I'm okay, about so. to say is, but once you get past that, the person who's trading Pfizer stock for the C... You know, for the center of disease control and pushes a Pfizer product out there because they just bought the stock, I have no forgiveness for. And when 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 money comes into this mess, I'm not going to forgive Pfizer for telling people that this vaccine works for this when they knew it didn't. I'm, I, once you cross the line of, of regular people doing stuff and saying I was out of line, that's not the same as somebody's... Once once the almighty dollar enters the, pictures, the picture, I do not forgive. Is that fair? Well, it's, I, I understand your point of view on that. Um, my problem is that there were a lot of people who had no financial stake in this. They just were very uncurious, very, in, I guess, incurious is probably the proper word. They were not curious at all to hear anything else. Uh, I, you know, these are the people that were uh, yelling at others in the grocery store. Uh, if you know, if you weren't probably yeah, well, yeah. didn't have a mask on or or, or anything like that, these are the people who. Uh, hell, I remember one guy walking around uh, uh, the store wearing a, a shirt that said uh, uh, "Science is not uh, political" or something like that. What science are you talking about? Oh yeah, um, because we we've known, and the problem is that all of the any other opinion, any other opinion of how to treat. 
any other opinion of you know just looking at data. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. All of that was suppressed, and and most people went along with that. Well, I'm not going to fine with that, and that's what you know. That's what I can't forgive. I know I, I can't. I'm, I'm the same way. Just having no critical thought on this. What I, I can't. I don't have any. If if it was a pure thought, even Governor Pritzker, if if he uh, closed the stores thinking that that was the right thing to do, I can I'll roll with that. But a month later, as he's driving by Kevin and Chief's blue jeans store that's closed and we're going out of business, and he drives into the Target and they're buying blue jeans, that I can't forgive. I, that's, that's that's stupidity. I mean, I, yeah. I mean, that's I, that's stupidity. Yes, and that's just. And, and you need to get Carl to talk a little bit about some of the uh, stuff he's put up this week um, about you know some very very recent studies because again it's the same thing he and many others were were writing about early in the uh, uh, early on in you know in in the middle yeah. of in late 2020. Well, nobody wanted to hear it, and I and I, the, the the congressman who traded on it. This whole idea of of forgiveness, Kevin. I'm not. Well, you know, I'm not a. Everybody makes mistakes. I mean, right? Everybody has makes bad trades, they do all this stuff. I, I, I can't forgive somebody. If, if, I, I, don't, I can't handle Pritzker getting involved in all these other campaigns and messing with other people. I, I cannot vote for the man because of that. I, can't, I could never vote for Hillary because she let people put other people's trades in her account. They should have been somebody else's winner, and she got it. I, I, I can in my business. I cannot forgive that. If I saw anybody do that on the trading floor, I can't. I, I won't say hate. I would dislike the man to this day. I wouldn't sell him a car if I was it. it that's just me. I mean, I, as you know, I'm the most forgiving guy on earth. Once you get to a certain point, I guess my Irish kicks in, or something. I mean, I I can't vote for Pritzker. I don't. I mean, I don't care if I have to vote for the. I'll write you in first. But I I, I don't. He has no business spending money on the Republican campaign and screwing somebody that he thinks he might be a good candidate. Is that just me? I mean, am I wrong here or not? That, that's, a, that's a deal breaker for me. I'm with you. And, you know, and, and here's the other thing. Even if I were to give amnesty, if I were to forgive Emily Oster because she's asking for forgiveness, I ain't forgiving anybody who doesn't ask to be forgiven. Well, Sorry, yeah. and that's, that's like in... In, in all of life. Well, I don't care you if don't, your kids yell at you somebody don't else. You do forgive a, people uh, yeah. who don't want to be forgiven. Well, I, I don't, I don't, uh, I, I could forgive her for a kid yelling on somebody on a hiking trail, but I'm not going to forgive her if she if she bought Pfizer stock knowing that they were going to not give anybody else approvals. <laughs> that, that's a whole yeah. different whole different brand of ball. Kevin, uh, any chance tomorrow night? Sure. What are, what's the sure. line? So like I said last week, um, it, first of all, it's going to be uh, you know, rainy and very windy, so uh, so I, I think that that might suppress the score. And uh, the Irish are at their best when they're running at about four four runs for every pass play. So um, you know, hopefully uh, uh, it w- it won't be conducive to passing tomorrow, and that will give them a little. You know, that that'll put the ND in its comfort zone, and Clemson not in its comfort zone. By the way, next week let's talk about those guys that are uh, are doing the likeness stuff. And I, you know what I, what I love, Kevin, is they're all non-profit, allegedly to the 401Cs or 403Cs. And uh, in our mortal words of our buddy Eric, it's not about making money. It's about giving salaries to people that run the place. So they can... I'm not, yeah, although the yeah. one I sent you yesterday, um, what's kind of interesting is they're, they're pretty freely admitting that they really want to focus, that they'll do stuff for, the, uh, you know, set people up with not-for-profits. Um, but they... Uh, 
you know they're focused on the for-profit sector. I, what I'm saying is, if the end at the end they're of pretty the straight day, up about it. at the end of the day, if Brady Quinn's ahead of one of them, not he's a football guy, but not the one you wrote. At the end of the day, if that guy makes four hundred grand a year in a non-profit, there's a lot of non-profits like that. It just oh means yeah, it means you know, hey, that's welcome to the world of uh, of very wealthy people who decide they uh, they want their lifestyle um, tax free. Yeah, well, well, you you so. still it's still a salary for you. You never your your paycheck from the March of Dimes. Is no, still no, tax- no, but you you yeah. live you live life on the uh, on the expense account. Oh god, yeah, oh yeah. I gotta get that. I got myself a big expense account for like a triple E tap. What do you think? Well, uh, um, uh, trip, uh, you you need to form triple E charities, and then ah. um, and then do a lot of entertaining at the triple E tap on behalf of triple E charities. Ah, see, I, I got to figure all this stuff out. SP futures up twenty nine, Nasdaq futures up eighty three. We're still wallying. We right back, Mr. Carl Denninger. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708 349 3456, that's 708-349-3456, or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks, jocks, and jocks. stocks and jocks. You are out of control! Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now.
Welcome up, Ace Tyson Jackson. I'm Tom Howe. Andrew on the board. SP Futures up 26, leaking a little. We were up 30, but we're still up there. SDF Futures up 72. We'll see if we can hang in there after uh, the last two days of uh, Armageddon. Hey, Carl, how are you, bud? Well, I'm doing okay. You know, it's I, I put up a warning last night. There's, uh, there's a trading area for people that have been on the forum for a while that is open along with one called The Bar, which, as you can imagine, gets some lively conversation. It's not visible to folks that uh, that don't have the tenure. And uh, <coughs> I said, you know, watch out if you got stuff on overnight because the you know the sentiment was quite bearish given the price action the last couple of days. You know, after the Fed announcement, I said, be careful. There's uh, there's people out there that have this number. Uh, you know, they it's. Uh, <laughs> And, and if you think they're not trading it, oh, oh yes, they are. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and by the way, the futures are open all night long. <laughs> hey, uh, just give me give me two seconds here. I don't know if you were on a week ago when I, when I did what I, things I shouldn't do. I went through for the FANG stocks and uh, figured out how much they were down on the year because that whole area, it's like the, it's almost like 2,000 with the Cisco's and the Oracle's and those things just get destroyed. Oh, yeah. But I was up to... With the Fang Plus, when you throw Microsoft in there, for those that don't know, Fang is Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Google, and then if you add the Plus, it's Microsoft. Apple is not in there actually, uh, but the uh, but they they weren't considered one of the Fangs, even though clearly it's one of the biggest ones. But I had those guys. This is, uh, I wish, of course, me being the idiot that I am, I didn't put a date on this, but I'm, I'm going to say it's a week ago Tuesday. I did this. I had the Fangs down. Uh, Fang Plus, two point nine eight trillion dollars this year you know but since then carl i just happened to look at this yes i go i mean somebody's since then i had facebook which you were you know they had they were down their their uh market cap was down 656 billion dollars okay that was when the stock was at 101 16 this is now meta well now they're now they're 89 bucks so right, they're down, they're, yeah, they're down another 10 percent yeah, amazon was 111 and now it's 90 so it's down 20 percent so i had them at 587 billion so it's got to be 20 percent higher net so this three trillion i got well netflix i had it at the day i looked at it, it was 299.71 and now it is uh where the hell is it it's uh 270 so it's down 20 bucks and uh google i had it at 111 and google is now 84 so that's down right. 35 dollars and they got a hundred they got 14 billion shares outstanding. That's another $100 billion, for God's sake. And, and Microsoft was at uh, 226 and they probably hung in there a little bit. They're at 215 so they're not down that much. But, I mean, this, this $3 trillion is now, what, three seven, and, and the year? That's, that's serious wealth out of, people's, out of people's accounts, for God's sake. Well, except, uh, yeah, and then, but here at the, <laughs> again, Chief, this goes back to what I've been saying for quite a long time. Okay, and where it really shows up is you look at you look at all the literally technically bankrupt already firms that are out there that still trade. Okay. Oh yeah. Um, I I put up an article yesterday on this the GameStop AMC thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right? And and I had somebody. There's there's a couple of people. One of them has been around my system since 2010. So I mean, he's seen my, you know, my screeds on all the stupidity for you know, for the last 10 plus years. 
And he pipes up and says, oh, no, 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 this wasn't about making, you know, the, the, I bought some of this stuff, it wasn't about making money, it was about punishing the shorts and, and DTCC and naked shorting and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, the, the, the whole screed of garbage that, and, and the, the worst part of it is it's not all false, it's just that it doesn't apply in these cases. Okay, so I, I so last night I sat down and I pulled up just basic balance sheet stuff, you know, hey, uh, Edgar is a useful tool and pointed out that that within these two these two firms, uh, you have negative earnings, you have negative operating margin. The the negative free cash flow number is enough to consume their entire cash hoard within the next twelve to twenty four months for both of these companies now. Okay. Both of them are levered, both of them have debt outstanding. AMC has has something like five times as much fire, almost ten times as much, if I remember correctly, debt outstanding as they have cash on the balance sheet. Uh, in a rising rate environment, the ability to issue new debt into that sort of an environment or to finance a rollover if it happens is non-existent. So you have firms that cannot find a way to ride through this for a period of time while they retool. Both of them have about a year before they run out of money. Well, you know, uh, speaking of and, AMC... And so, well, and so you either turn positive cash flow within that period of time or you're out of business. Well, the thing that has AMC... Um, oh, I'm not going to say the thing. I don't know. I haven't gone through the numbers as much as you have, but I don't know if you remember when the thing first ran up to... What did it get? Like, like, well, I can throw the chart right up here. Um, when it first ran up, they happened to have uh, a lot of treasury stock. Right. So when a stock made it up to like thirty or well, something, so they, yeah. So they sold it into the market. Yeah, they sold it in their markets. This is the, in the deepest, dark, darkest depths of COVID, where all their places were closed. They actually were able to refinance the place in in the market, which was genius. They just happened to, to to luck out and have some treasury stock that they could sell back out. Uh, well, that, it's, it's, you know that's but that's fabulous. But the problem yeah. is, is that if you haven't if you haven't fixed the fundamental thing I, I that caused yeah. you to get you know to, to run out cash in the first place. And yes, okay, the COVID shutdowns and the lockdown nonsense, everything else certainly impaired their business. So, yeah, I mean, come on, when you know when you're forced close and you have real estate that's out there that you know has servicing costs, you got big problems, right? Yeah. So. Here we are, because you have no cash coming in, but you have a lot of cash going out. This is not a good situation for anybody. But and now, uh, that's not true anymore. Right? And yet, the 12-month run rate on their cash flow is, you know, they have, they have a negative 8 or 9% uh, operating margin. What do you think? <laughs> uh, oops. What do you suppose, God, what do you suppose these guys got in PPP and all that stuff? I bet they got a fortune. Yeah, I'm sure they did, but you know, it's again what it comes down to is is you know this goes back to the nonsense that was sold during the 1990s. Oh, you know, this is our burn rate. Yeah, right? this is how much can- this is this is how many hundred dollar bills we light on fire every day out in the back, you know, behind the building, and and we're we're in that world again. We live in that world again, and it's it's like okay, in a generally declining rate environment. You can get away with this kind of nonsense for quite a while because every time you get short on cash, you go back into the debt market and you can issue something. You can you can re you know redo your revolver. You can float another bond. You can do it. And the reason you get away with it is because people are 
grabbing for every piece of yield they can get, and you'll give them one percent better than the other. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We'll take that. And then five years from now, you can do it again, or two years from now, you can do it again. And the, the carrying cost in interest rate is lower. The carry the actual amount of interest you have to pay to do this goes down, and so it helps your financial perspective from the standpoint of looking at your balance sheet, your cash flow statement, it makes them look better. Well, exactly the opposite thing happens in a rising rate environment. Well, sure. Without a doubt. But so it, it, well, yeah, but but you know what? Everybody says, oh, that's never going to happen again. We're never going to have rising rates again. That's always going to be going downward. Well, um, excuse me, at zero, you can't go further well, okay, down. Okay, but, right, now, but in, in some, I don't know why I'm being charitable today, Colonel, for some reason. Uh, if If you're 32 years old, you've been in the business in the, in, the, in the world for 11 years out of college or maybe 9 years out of grad school. You know, people, when I, when I started the business, I was like 1980, late 80, early 81, somewhere in there. And people talked about uh, the calls in IBM, you know, blowing everybody out of the water because uh, they'd never been in the money. And people literally, the, 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 the saying on the floor was sell the 280s and buy a Mercedes because they never, they never had finished the money. And all of a sudden, one week or one month, because they didn't have expirations weekly, and Wednesday morning they were at a sixteenth, and then Friday morning they were like eighteen bucks. So all the guys, <coughs> yeah, so all the guys that sold them, at, you know, intending to buy the Mercedes, uh, I think they ended up selling their old Ford just to, just to pay the, anyway. <laughs> you know, but I mean, well, if, you I mean an, if, if you didn't get nailed by the margin call uh, on that, yeah. But, but I mean, you know, I but these old these older guys would tell us to I me, mean, and I was always a guy who paid attention to older people. I, I loved when I was at Pullman. I'd be in the, if it was an older engineer, and I saw him doing nothing in his office, and I had nothing to do. I'd put my my ass right down. Tell me what you know about engineering, and how do you fit it? I, I was I was an absolute, uh, you know, sieve for any kind of knowledge like that. But even me, say after five years, go guys, the story's getting old. I mean, I, I got to believe if I talk to somebody thirty, I mean Matt Weber, he's been on a show with me since day one. I mean, a year ago, he says. Chief, all you do is talk about these rates being higher. Nobody has any idea what the hell you're talking about. Yeah. You know, you know, oh, yeah. Well, uh, you know, and, and the thing is, though, is that it's it, it, the guys the guys that think that there's some, you know, some grand design on this, and, it's, and of course, you know, the scream when something like this starts to happen is always, well, somebody's manipulating the stock. There's a, there's a guy on Twitter last night that was out there saying, you know, oh, you know, Gensler, you need to look at this, you know, look at this pinning that's going on and that, you know, the preferred... I'm like, um, excuse me, guys. The fundamental problem here is that the company is cash flow negative and functionally has about 12 months worth of life left unless they can somehow manage to make that negative number into a positive one with their free cash flow from operations. And if they can do that, if they, if they can come up with an operating cash flow that is positive, then, I mean, you know, anybody that's got positive operating cash flow, if they can maintain that, they have a business. That's, that's what business is. <laughs> and so it's like, well, if you can do that, fine. But there's no evidence that this is the case because the movie theaters are back open. We, you know, the COVID, the COVID crazy is for the most part gone. I mean, there's still people trying to hang on to it. we got this Emily Oster nonsense that's going on. But the reality of it is that okay, your excuse for this terrible performance, which was valid, is gone. Well, so now the reality is is that the, the underlying issues with movie theaters, 
which have been around for an awfully long time. And, and, the, and the biggest ones are that the, the content, you want my opinion, the content these days stinks. Okay? Well, that's that's part of the problem, yeah. Right. I mean, the, the, you know, all the things, the, the, all you've got is rehashes and re, you know, rebakes and recooks, if you will, of, of something else. Uh, none of it is worth the kind of money that's being charged. And the, and the second one is, is exactly that. It's the biggest issue right there. Is that there's, there's exactly one film in the last four, three or four or five years, back to before COVID, that I thought was actually worth going to the theater and paying for, and that was only marginal, and that was Maverick. Yeah, well, the, uh, but I think what, what well, you're seeing, Carl, and I mean, what, you're, what you're talking about, when I talk about it, a lot of it's, we're on different subjects, but we're on the same theme. The fact is, we're in a pretty nasty recession, and it, just because oh, yeah. people don't, I mean, you look, you, you, you walk around and you say, walk around, I mean, you're just out in the Orland area, uh, you know, that's, she's, that's where she lives, so I pretty much go out there on weekends, and uh, you look at somebody's. You can be a, uh, an, a you know a buffoon and say, "God, this place is uh, this restaurant's crowded. Where everybody's back. We're all everybody's spending." Well, there's a there's a German restaurant out there, uh, and it, it's really good food. We, we go there you know, every couple of months, and uh, we'll go and because uh, eat way too much chow. So anyway, plus it's a little further away. So anyway, we go there, and and if you go there, it's it's seven o'clock or six o'clock. You're gonna get Everybody from Orland and you know New Lenox and all those places, the place is packed. Okay, but if if you if you open your eyes a little bit, you see they have this later night menu, where they got really good sandwiches and stuff, and there's a bar and all these high tables around the bar, and they used to get this whole second crowd of people from the movie theaters. There's a there's a high school uh, stadium. Oh, and, and that's gone. That's gone. And and Fox's Pizza out in Orland. It's been around, you know, since God, they were there before I was born. I think, certainly in Beverly, they a pizza place with a bar with entertainment closes at ten thirty on a Saturday night. I mean, we're talking about there. There's been so many changes, and 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 the the, the guy and I don't want to say anything bad about him, but I will. The the guy who runs Kellogg was on CNBC yesterday talking about how they've been able to raise their prices and they're doing just fine, and he's talking about how there's a guy here in the office with me. The guy goes. Well, you guys, well, ladies, well, what about inflation? Has it been hurting? He goes, well, you know, it's uh, it's it appears to be hurting the people in the entertainment business and some other areas, but you know, like it hasn't hit us yet. The guy in my office goes, yeah, because people are eating cornflakes for dinner. It's a re- what were it? I forget. Was it uh, in in way back in economics? Wasn't there there's superior goods and then there what there's there, there's a re- it wasn't regressive. What was the other ones? The other goods were. If, if all of a sudden you're in a big re- de- depression, the price of potatoes might actually go up because right. because people want more potatoes because they can't afford anything else. So, I mean, cornflakes is almost in that category. So the fact that those guys get to raise their prices doesn't mean the world's good. Sorry, Mr. Kellogg, but am I right? Well, yeah. I mean, it's just... I, <laughs> essentially, you know, it's it's... Everybody says, "Oh, you know, food inflation last twelve months is uh, you know, supposedly by the CPI. It's it's what twelve percent or something like this, right?" <laughs> yeah, like H E double matchsticks, it's twelve percent. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, I can't I, I can't even begin to list the number of things that uh, they've doubled, literally doubled. And uh, anybody that thinks that this does not impact the average Joe. 
I mean, my grocery bill is is fairly modest because I'm, you know, the single guy, and uh, you know, I, I eat what I eat. I, what I like is what I like. But I've been burning through my back stock, which is, you know, all stuff in the freezer, right, for the last seven or eight months, and uh, that's getting kind of thin now. So, in you know, in another probably around you know February, March, uh, that that's going to be gone. And everything that's in that freezer was was half of what it costs today when I bought it. Well, some of the stuff that stuff wasn't bought that long ago, Chief. I mean, we're yeah. talking. You know, I mean, there's nothing in there that's more than a year old. Well, the stuff at the I find uh, crowd is I uh, well for those that don't know. I mean, PTI is office here in downtown, the South Loop, South part of the Loop, uh, and there's still no place really open here for breakfast or anything. So after the show, I. I Plus, it's, I, I use it to relax after the show. I cook breakfast for everybody. So I, so I haul in a bunch of stuff. And uh, so, but I, the thing that I notice, and I go to Myers every 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 uh, Saturday morning, and I walk down the aisles, and I'm pretty observant, not just because I want to be observant, because I know that there's people on the show, and if I see this stuff, people want to. What I find is the stuff would. Now, if you just want to, if you just want to eat, okay, the prices are way better on some stuff than they were a year and a half ago. I mean, Sparrow's got the four bucks, five bucks a pound. Now they're back down. If you look on sale, you get them under three bucks. Chicken, same way. You can, you can get the things on sale, and if you're smart enough to pick those up, pork is way back down. So is chicken. But the thing that's weird is if you if you go down the aisles and you see like, you know, like those instant potato things that were a buck, they're a buck twenty nine. So right. I, you know, so I mean, pasta, which you know, this Meyer's always had a special, a dollar a pound for one of the brands. You're not going to see that anymore. They're a buck eighty nine. Uh, those kinds of cereal. I mean, a, a thing of pancakes could be six bucks. You know, that type of, the stuff at the lower end where the, where the families really fit in on peanut butter. Those kind, of, they're up. I'm going to say thirty to thirty-five percent across the board. Sometimes even fifty, like in pasta and stuff. But but if if you if if you just go and and, and shop a thing that's a sale. Plus you get the ones where you know it was a dollar a month ago, and now the price is one sixty on sale for one thirty. You get those tricks going all over the place, right? But oh yeah, well I mean it's like one of the one of the things that I was like my poster child example of that is that I I like pork rinds. It's one of my snacks. It's it's, it's a southern uh, thing. A, there's no carbohydrate in it. Um, it's a and, southern thing. It's a southern and, Tennessee well, thing. Well, in the store know. brand uh, at the Kroger here, uh, they used to be a bucket a quarter or less. They fluctuated a little bit. A bucket a quarter or less every single day. Not on sale. No, no special tags on there. No coupons. Uh, no gimmicks. You know, there it is. Now, of course, you know the name brand ones are more money, but it, it, I mean that's that's cheap enough that you throw two or three bags in the in the thing just to have them, right? Because I mean, you know, hey, come on, they're a buck. They're two and a half now. Well, God help you if you like potato chips. Well, I mean, I, yeah. you know, yeah. And the thing is, is it's like I look at you know stuff like that, and and there's clean doubles. Yeah, in an awful lot of them, right? And so it's like, you know, well, I mean, we used to be able to get ninety-nine cent a dozen eggs all day long, right? And they're two twenty now. Right? Minute, That's a double. Last time I went to the restaurant depot, this is the depot. Twelve dozen jumbos. They wanted four bucks a, uh, a dozen. And this is the depot. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it, it's insane. Yeah. And and the thing is, is that these are things that you know, if you have a family, especially if you've got a couple of teenagers, that you know, oh, they're basically. Yeah garbage disposals 
uh, I mean, you know, I remember that when my daughter was that age. She was a girl, for crying out loud. I mean, guys are a hundred times worse. I remember when I was that age. And, you know, anything that's in the pantry, it's gone. <laughs> Carl, I, I uh, could stand to lose a few pounds, but I tell you what, when I was, when I was 24 or 25, and I was playing basketball in three leagues a week and playing handball four days a week and running the other days. I it, it, I can't even imagine. If I put how much I normally ate in front of me right now, I'd say this is for four people. It was obnoxious. You know, when I was a teenage guy, if I tried to eat that now, I'd weigh 600 pounds. Oh, yeah, I mean, I would... I, I would <laughs> we got to talk better stuff, but whenever I went to a wedding, especially if I didn't have a date, I'd find the skinniest girl and I'd sit next to her because I know I'd get her dinner too. Right. <laughs> How bad is that? <laughs> anyway, well, I mean, but that's uh, you know, I mean, but that's just the, the, I mean, it's you know, the metabolic shift. It, it is yeah. what it is, right? Well, plus I'm not playing handball four days a week either, so that's part of it. Well, there's well, there's that too. I mean, you know, I used to be out there skiing all the time, and you know, yeah. now I'm not, and I, I don't live where it's conducive to it. I used to live up in the north. You know, you know if you're up in the north, it's cold all the time. You're burning up more, God, you know, if more you, fuel if, just to maintain body temperature while six, you're outdoors. If you skied six hours, you could eat anything and couldn't gain. But hey. Uh, real quick though, because we got to get the, the, the other stuff. I've been doing kind of a general view, and you sent us, sent this stuff out of your newsletter. A general view when I see these union contracts being settled for, you know, fourteen percent raise over five years, and I'm going, you idiots! You're not even close to where the inflation is. You better have a a coal increase in that. And I'm not seeing them, but I'm not reading it, so there might be one. Yet you sent something here. I, I'm going to say that I don't understand it perfectly. T- with the with the productivity and the real hourly compensation, right. it kind of kind of gets everybody to the same place. But I'm going to be the first to say I don't understand understand exactly how you're getting there. So what is this? What do you? How do you? How are you doing this? We only got a few minutes, then we got to do the other stuff. But yeah, you, sure. So so later productivity and costs is there's a report that comes out and it's a quarterly thing. And at, at the end of the at the end of the table, you have real hourly compensation. Okay, and that's and that is in real inflation-adjusted terms. How is that? What's that look like now? What's it look like from a you know compared against a year ago? And that that is an inflation-adjusted number. And in real terms, against a year ago, I don't care what sector you're in, you lost somewhere between three point three and four and a half percent. But you're talking about you're talking about inflation adjusted compensation. Um, from or, your point of view as a worker, as an employee, what what is it that you can buy with what you earned? Okay. Okay, and that's and that is that is the real impact on real and and of course you know some people better, some people worse, but this is across the entire economy, and and essentially what you have is. Productivity and co- this is productivity and costs. Okay, so the reality is is that if I am if from a business perspective, if my costs are going up but my productivity is not or my productivity is going down, then um, this is not good, right? Right. <laughs> right. But unit labor costs. This is a, some of these numbers are are ridiculous. Unit labor costs in non-farm businesses against a year ago are up six point one percent. I would have guessed higher. Well, I would have too, but that's—I mean, uh, of course, you know, who knows what kind of game playing is going on in any government statistic, right? But but this is 
this is the statistic. The well, how, how, is, how, is that this is terrible. How, and people are not keeping up. But how, how uh, just in terms of this, and, I, and again, I'm a neophyte in this, but how screwed up are these numbers? I remember when I was in, in I was just getting out of grad, when people first started sending stuff to be made over in China, and uh, the idea was you, you divided essentially the amount of product you made by the amount of people you had or the amount of money that they spent uh, you spent on, on labor and uh, and you know that's how you got your productivity but uh, the example was uh, you know uh, Levi Strauss if you exported if all if all your blue jean production was overseas essentially your 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 efficiency became infinite right I mean I mean how many of these numbers are they good I mean, the productivity I guess what I'm asking is 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 the productivity number we see is it any good, or is it slow? No, it's terrible. It's it's negative, which is a huge problem. No, I'm not talking about the value. I'm saying the the, the calculation of it itself. No, is, no, I'm saying the productivity number is terrible. Okay, okay. That's 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 the basic the basic issue from a from a business and output perspective is that the amount of output that people are getting for an hour worth of work is going down. Okay. Okay, hey, Carol, and, that, and, and and that is the thing. Is this? A huge part of our economic success over time is that number going up, doing more yes. with less. Let's go to break early so we can come back for these numbers, bud. We have, Andrew, let's take us to a short break here, not our usual. SP Futures up uh, 39, NASDAQ Futures up, up, well, now they're up 11. We'll be right back with this. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. 
I think it is time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification, or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome to Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tom Andrew on the phone. We got an abbreviated break. And uh, I'm just going to say SP Futures up 14. They were just up zero. They were up 25. It's all over the place with these numbers. NASDAQ up 30. Uh, so let's kind of go right into them. Hey, headline number is 261, which I think is reasonably close to where people are looking for. Unemployment rate, though, is bulged up to 3.7, which, uh, and I'm looking at these, uh, w- w- before I even say it, the, 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 of course, the, the, the one that everybody looks at, but the one Carl says I shouldn't be looking at. If I just look at this thing, this household report, Carl, these numbers are horse bleep. i got 300,000 less people working. I've got 250,000 more people unemployed, and i got a, a few more people, and we don't know what they're doing, Calm. If you look at these numbers, they're horrible. What are you looking at? Um, so what I have here is essentially a flat report, which for this month is extremely bad. Uh, is it bad enough for the Fed to start it, pouring more money back in, which everybody wants? Well, here's, I mean, what I see here is that the, the non-labor force number, the, the raw the raw ads without, you know, seasonal adjustment, just the raw numbers, plus 141. The problem is 111 of those came off the bench. So, for all intents and purposes, this this report's a zero. Um, and, it, I mean, that explains why you went from 3.5 to 3.7, okay? I mean, it's, you know, it is what it is, right? Uh, the employment population ratio ticked up by one, uh, you know, one tick. That's... That's actually a, a I mean, you know, those those moves are meaningful. Uh, that one pick is worth about four or five hundred thousand people. So I mean, that's not small. Um, but in terms of you know what this says, this, uh, this <laughs> October is usually a very strong month on an unadjusted basis. Normally, in normal years, and uh, you know this is even you know, back at pre-COVID. I mean, in twenty nineteen, uh, the, the unadjusted number was plus five eighty nine. Well, how, how does the right, when I'm looking at this kind of adjusted stuff again? And you and you get it. Yeah, yeah, and, I, and you know I don't like it because it's especially the month in front of an election for crying out loud, dude. <laughs> well, how do they get from 260 thousand people in the establishment survey positive to 320 328 negative in the household survey? It's there is there is a black box into which the uh, dials get twisted. That's the best way to put it, I suppose. And I and supposedly the Bureau of Lies and Scams 
uh, has this this birth death model, and they have this this capacity to see inside people's heads and you know and, and be able to adjust for things that they can't actually measure. And I, I, I've never bought it. I've always my viewpoint has always been that if you you know Christmas comes the same time every year, so if you want to know what's going on, look at last year's you know last December versus this December where there's no difference. Therefore, you don't need adjustments because on an annualized basis, the you know the calendar doesn't change, right? Uh, but yeah, I mean, what I on a month over month perspective, October is usually a hiring month and a fairly strong one because you've got the holidays coming up. But how do we okay. get how do you get the unemployment claims number looking decent? I think they were the other day, although I don't remember what it was. And now you get we got three hundred thousand people more more unemployed officially unemployed. Well, they're not they're, they're not being fired; they're leaving. Is the, is the answer? But the the thing is, they're not in labor. That the not in labor force number went down on an unadjusted basis by 111 is is uh, it's up by 200. Subs- that's up, that's significant. It's up by 200,000 adjusted. Right, but that again, this is you know twisted dials, right? And remember that that part of what's going on right now is that you have you, you just in the last couple of days you've had Biden and his administration basically coming out and say they, they, they can't they aren't they can't I have to assume. They can't run on their record because inflation is terrible, crime is terrible. You just had a, a woman that was raped in New York City out for a jog in one of the toniest neighborhoods in the in the town yesterday. Literally, it was reported yesterday. Uh, I mean, you know, crime's off the rack everywhere. We have you know, you have Hey Jackass that shows the you know all the, the shoot a palooza in Chicago all the time. Uh, so they can't run on that. They can't run on improving crime statistics. They can't run on improving economic statistics. They can't run on inflation. So essentially, what they're running on, and, and what he's come out and said is, if you don't vote for Democrats, then you're voting for fascists, and and our representative way of government is gone. Well, it's a little harsh. I, I mean, that's, part, I, 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 you know, that's that's the kind of thing. You remember the day? Well, I don't remember it personally, but it's it's been immemorialized. The Daisy commercial: If you don't vote for me, there's going to be a nuclear war. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm saying. I mean that's essentially yeah. that, that's that's essentially the rhetoric that's that's flying around right now from the Democrat Party with the elections well, coming up next week. So I don't. Given that, um, you know, it seems to me that if you're a politician and you're trying to run for office, especially if you're in office, and right now the Democrat Party has a majority in both houses, um, that you ought to be able to point at something that you've done and say, "Look, this is this has made your life better. This is why you should you know, should." put me back in, in the chair. Uh, well, okay, they, they don't have those kinds of answers, and anybody that tries to, to say that gets laughed at. So this is what they've got left. But I, so I don't, you know, adjust, any adjusted number, I take absolutely zero stock in it right now. I mean, you know, the next Tuesday for crying out loud. No, 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 no. I, but, uh, but realistically, what I see here is an extremely soft report. And the, the other thing that's, that's interesting in the internals is that I'm not seeing much in the way of movement. Um, in fact, a little bit of slack coming out of overtime hours uh, in the manufacturing sector. It's uh, not a lot, but a tenth, but again, a tenth is a big you know is a big number. Uh, and and we're still seeing you know hourly earnings. Yeah, okay, they're still ticking up a little bit. I mean, you know, here and there, uh, not not large, but yes, they are. Well, and so you have the upward wage pressure. 
Um, speaking of which, there's, there was an interesting thing yesterday that hit the news. I didn't know that there were a bunch of labor unions in the tourism uh, services industry in the Orlando area, but apparently there are. They are now trying to argue that the minimum wage, the minimum wage now for people in that industry uh, has to be $18. And, and the threat, of course, is if we don't get it, we're going to strike. And the argument is that, oh, oh, you know, the fact that it's five times as expensive to go to Disney as it was, you know, ten years ago, it doesn't matter. Everybody's still going to come anyway. They're, they're, they've all, they're all flush. They've all got all kinds of money. There's no problem. They're, you know, there's going to be no problem with raising the cost. Of <laughs> oh, boy, are you guys in for a surprise. Didn't, didn't we destroy the, the industry in Detroit with exactly this argument in the 1970s? I, uh... I, I think that we've gone so far past that, Carl. I don't, the whole idea that uh, you know it, it can what, what is Disney? What is it up? To? I don't even. I think some of these people are not on the same planet. Is I've seen stuff in restaurants here in this area. They used to pay people ten bucks an hour. I'm going to say five years ago. Every restaurant has to be double the price and cent, and they're outraged. They got to pay somebody twelve. Yeah, I mean, what is it? Well, it's, uh, but it's uh, but you know that's the the problem with trying to push this back that way instead of addressing the cost issues. Okay, when you when you say, well, you know, the answer to this is just raise people's wages, and that solves it. No, it doesn't. It no. drives the spiral. Well, it it does it does, but it doesn't. I mean, I, I, I'm going to say that there was a time. And I'm going to say, I have the same, as you know, I have the same criticism of this Fed. I had a Volcker's Fed. For some crazy reason, these guys, at least publicly, uh, talk about the CPI number as being something real. CPI right. number has been deficient since since I've been around. Uh, well, that was that was the changes that were made during the Carter administration well, when they took when, when they I'm, took actual house prices saying, out, put owners' equipment. I'm land talking and about and all the hedonic adjustments and all that nonsense. I'm talking about in terms of the timing. the The only yeah. time, the only time, I think in our lifetime, and you guys, you and I might have to argue about this. The only time that wage pressures was a significant piece of prices going up when they shouldn't have was I'm going to say 1981 to 82. Uh, well, yeah, because you had the CPI adjustments in there that were in the, 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 the COLA escalators. Well, but it, it ties in with what I'm talking about with the, the CPI number. Everybody, every, everybody who's not old enough, I mean, being old is not the best, but it's you, you do remember stuff. The idea that these unions had these COLA adjustments and how they forced labor, well, the, the, the price increases were starting in the early 70s. Right. I mean, it wasn't like the day there was a price, a, 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 the, the food prices went up, the, the, the management magnanimously gave unions a cola piece in their <laughs> contract. Yeah. I mean, it took probably two or three contracts during the 70s where finally said, hey, look it, th- this is crazy that we're going to get a 4% raise and, and the next year inflation's 12 and we're behind. We need, we need something to keep us going with this. Okay, so the CPI, I, I will, you know, I'll, I'll put on a stack of Bibles. Somehow or another, Carl, even, even if they're legit, which I don't think they are now, maybe they were back then, even if they're legit, for whatever reason, they're a solid 8 to 14 months behind. And I don't know why. But I mean, you can see it now in the, we're going to have all kinds of raises in the next six months regarding housing prices. Yet housing prices ballooned 
a year and a half ago, they were never picked up by the CPI, and now they're actually stabilizing or going down, and these idiots are going to have the increases coming through. So back in 1881, when I was doing the stuff earlier for Pullman, the, the, there was no inflation, yet the CPI was still showing some, so people were still getting raises, even though right. there really wasn't any, which they didn't get in the beginning, so they probably ended up even, but still, now you had Pullman giving people raises when, when they, didn't, they shouldn't have been. Right, I mean, not that they productive raises, yes, but cola raises they shouldn't have been. Well, so you know that that's kind of the. But I mean, it, we're going from you look at what people made twenty years ago versus the CPI, and now there's people. I mean, what is the the, the median salary in in, in two thousand was thirty thousand. Now it's like thirty eight. Yeah, that was twenty two years ago, Carl. I mean, Jesus. I mean, we're so I mean we're we're in a state of of catch up. I mean, I. The, the Thai restaurant I go to. I mean, they. I think I said we just offered the cook. The cook quit. They offered him a, a big raise from like twelve dollars to eighteen. Well, for God's sake, the, the dinners are up three bucks. The guy probably does what twenty-five dinners an hour. Right. And they're going to give the guy a fin. I mean, God, don't 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 you know, keep your shirt button. You don't want your heart popping out of your chest. I mean, what do you? We're not even on the same planet. I know, it's just, I, you know, I mean, the thing is, though, is that when, when you get squeezed on the other end... Yeah, oh, yeah. Here's, I, here's, here's another example, right? just, uh, this, this one, they just tried to get me. Right? You know, there's this, there's this famous lizard that, uh, that sells car insurance yeah. and farms out their homeowners to, uh, most of it's travelers, but, you know, they sell it under their name, but it's actually travelers. Yeah. Uh, and, and so anyway, I you know I bounce around every every six months when it comes up for renewal. I you know I price it out. If it's if everybody's kind of reasonable, then you know okay fine. You know I, I I'm not a guy that wrecks cars, so basically I have it in the event that something terrible happens. Um, <laughs> these guys wanted thirty percent. Well, I haven't had a ticket in twenty years. I haven't smashed a car since I started driving. Yeah, but have you, I, and I haven't. I haven't moved. I haven't sold a car, bought a new one. You know, there hasn't been any change in in compensation of the you know the, the composition of the risk, right? That that's being assumed by the insurance company, close to a thirty percent increase. And I, and I mean, you know, when I saw the renewal notice, I think you people out of your effing mind. I'm gonna. I'm, so, I'm not gonna. Uh, well, I'll never defend those people, uh, Carl. But I know some. Uh, Creatures. I mean, not, I know a few people have, have had you know a, a bump, not a total or anything like that. But you whack one of these new cars like in one of the front corners. Oh, I know. I mean, it, it's 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 fifteen grand. Well, I understand that, yeah. but my but you know what I drive hasn't changed. Okay. Well, yeah. The newest the newest vehicle I have is a twenty fifteen. Well, all right. Well, mine's a yeah, mine's yeah. a ninety nine. I'll bet if I ever wrecked the front end and actually wanted those guys to fix it. It oh co- yeah, it would cost four times what what the, what the thing's worth. Well, I mean, uh, no, I mean you know any kind of significant wreck on and only I only have one of them that has any kind of coverage for you know other than liability on it because my truck is old enough that there's no point to that. Uh, but you know the idea that this was good. so I go and I shop this and and I another one of the large national companies I'm able to buy it for a few dollars more than what I paid six months ago. I lo- well, I love, guess what? I love so giving the lizard gets stepped on, right? I, lo- I love getting my give my buddy Carl uh, advice sometimes because once in a while I get to I get to be 
a little ahead of you on this stuff. Nobody, nobody looks, I don't know why it's a habit of mine, but I always look at older truck prices. Yep. You think for a second that, I mean, I still have collision on my 99 Suburban. I mean, the reason why? Look in the look in the auto trader. Oh no, no, I know. Yeah, but, but yeah chief, if I smashed it and it was and it was gone, I couldn't fix it. No, but I'm okay. saying you're you're going to get for years if you got a 2012 or something, you're going to get 20 grand for that thing. Oh no, mine's an 02. I, I, you're going to get 15. I but I'm, I understand that, but the, but my point is is that it's. The, the the amortization depreciation schedule on that truck is run. Okay, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> right, but what I'm, what I'm saying is these even the insurance companies. I tell you what happened. My uh, fortunately everybody was all right, but my nephew and niece were heading to go get a workout actually during the Eisenhower. This truck is next to him. Some guy flies on the entrance, cuts the truck off. So the truck in evading the guy. Moves over and pins them up against the concrete where the where the rapid transit. Yeah, there, there's nothing you can do when that kind of thing yeah. happens. So the, the the car gets scrunched. They got pinned a little bit, but uh, nobody no 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 cuts no nothing. They went to the hospital. Everybody was all right. So thank God. Uh, I'm actually pretty tight with my family, uh, and but even if, even not, I don't want anybody seeing anybody get hurt. Well, my, my brother had just bought this thing. It was a, what it was a, what it was, about something, I don't know what the hell it was. It was just a regular four-door car, you know what I mean? Like a, like a. Right. And uh, they, he had one around, he bought it, bought it from some private party. I think they paid like nine grand. This is, this is nine months later. The insurance company gives them 12. Yeah. And then, so he gets, you know, they go online and they go, okay, whatever year it was, you know, 2014 Volvo, whatever the hell it was. They can't come close to one of these things below 16. This, this oh, is, I know. Oh, I, know. And it's, and it's, and I, I mean, I get I get where the increases are coming from and why they're happening, okay? My point is just this. The average schlub that all of a sudden sees 30% go on his car insurance bill yeah. when it comes up for renewal. And, and I mean, you know, I pay I pay the entire six months. I don't pay monthly. I, you know, so, okay, oh, so do six I. months, you know, here's a check. Most people don't do that. They, you know, they do them. So I get a, a discount because I pay them all at one time. Fine. However, most people do not. And you, you, you look at this. You go, well, that's another fifty bucks a month on my yeah, pocket. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, uh, I've been, I've been with State Farm since I was sixteen, right? And, uh, and I, every once in a while, I'll get something from uh, AAA or somebody. Say, call this number, and I tell the guy what my coverage is. And he says, "How much you paying?" And I tell him, "He goes, don't I can't touch that. Don't ever leave them." <laughs> he goes, how, yeah. "How did you get that deal?" I'm like, I don't know. I well, that's, a, uh, well, you know, the funny thing is, is that that used to that, that was a thing for a long time. And then when I moved to Florida, it was a thing for a little while, and then all of a sudden, and it, it depends on where you live. Okay, so yeah. you know, insurance is a state regulated thing. In some states, that's true. I'll tell you right now, Florida, Tennessee, no, it isn't. But there's a inter- very interesting divergence there. Everybody talks about Florida being such a low-cost state and this and that and everything. Uninsured motorist coverage in Florida is frequently as much as your liability premium. Really? Because they don't throw anybody in jail for driving without insurance, including all the illegals that are here. Okay, And those guys have no money, and they hit people all the time. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Right? <laughs> So, so as a result, there, there really is a reason why it costs that much. Okay. The uninsured motorist premium here in Tennessee, for me, this last six-month renewal, $18. Not a month. 
eighteen dollars. Yeah, well, I, mean, I think, I think. Well, well, guess what? If you get caught driving around here doing that, guess where you're going? Yeah, well, yeah. If you don't have insurance, you're screwed in Illinois. Well, if you ever show up for court. I mean, well, but, but see, the thing is, if you don't show up for court, the sheriff shows up around here and throws you in jail. Oh, here, 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 we can't be bothered with that here. We had we're the guys who had the tickets for over 100 miles an hour, and they had their license suspended. They're all driving to court. <laughs> and parking right. park in the lot. But I, I think, boy, you know, I don't know, I'm not talking out of school here. I think, I think a contributor to the show, Audrey, my significant other, I think Audrey has a $50 deductible on hers. And the guy, her, her State Farm agent says, don't ever miss a payment. Don't ever let that go. You'll right, ne- don't ever do anything that might make that go away. You'll, ne- you'll, ne- you'll never find that anywhere ever. I, mean, I think mine's like 150 uh, What's 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 a new one? It's got to be 500 Well, it depends on, it, I mean, you, you can buy it down, by, but it's expensive. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're, you know, generally speaking on, you know, on newer policy, yeah, it's, I mean, in my point of view, is that insurance is just that. It is to cover the things that I can't, you know, that I can't take care of out of my own pocket. Hey, I got a question for you. And the the uh, the, the Fed came out obviously on Wednesday, and uh, the this, this statement was boy, I, I could have written the statement. I know exactly what they're going to say. It's before oh, yeah. the election, and yet Powell came out and basically turned the statement upside down. But I. Going back in in history, and I don't, you know, I don't, it's hard for me to remember all this stuff. But there was a guy in CNBC said traditionally, even back in the day when we had we're fighting inflation, we're not fighting, we're coming down. He goes, the Fed has been very careful, and I don't know if this guy's right or wrong. I assume he is. Uh, the Fed has been very careful to never make a move in their November meeting before an election. Now this time they come come right out and blow the seventy five cents and knock the the bejesus out of the market afterward. Are, is, is there something we should read into this, or they just they don't know? They don't know the history, or, or no? I think I think what we should read into it is that is that for the last several meetings they've been hiking seventy five dips, and so to do it again is to continue the pattern. They're not upsetting the apple cart, and they're doing what everyone had expected they were going to do. Anyone who thought that they were going to not do it. And, and, and apparently, if you look at the market action the few days ahead of time, there were plenty of folks that, that believed that had rocks in their head. Well, I think that they believed exactly what the statement was going to say. We're doing the 75, and oh, right. by the way, we're going to kind of be careful going forward and then look at the data and blah, 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 which is exactly what some wiggle room as to we're not going to pin something down next month. We're going to wait and see how this works even though we think we're going to do X next month. Right. They, they, they actually gave us that, and that's why the initial thrust of the market was right to the upside. And then Powell came out and said, don't even, don't even think for a second that we're slowing down, and by the way, we might go higher than you ever thought we would. Well, and that caused the, we, we turned around, what, 140 spoos? Yeah, no, it was a, well, a two-day two day move was 200 handles. Yeah. But I mean, the one, the one day was 140. It, well, yeah. and literally, it was one day if you look at you know from when it started to when it you know when it finished, right? Yeah, because we were up after the announcement, we were up 40, and we closed the day down 100. So that's 140 right there. And then well, then you, lo- then, then you had the losses from yesterday. Yeah, then another 40 yesterday. So 180 yeah. to 190 somewhere. Who's counting? You know, but but I'm close, saying close to 200 handles. Yeah. yeah, which is a but you know it's it, I, that's a big number. But I, yeah, I don't want. I mean, I, I'm not going to do any big math here. I'm going to do some very when people look at the market now and they go, God, it's all over the place. It's volatile. It's up. It's down. Carl, it, the size of these companies, just if, if people just 
sometimes when you want to understand something, at least in my opinion, and I see you do it by the stuff you send me, you go back to the simplest stuff. You say to yourself, okay, why is he, are these stocks up one day, down the next day? You don't, any rumor of the Fed? Well, if you look at something real simple, a capital asset pricing model now, don't everybody eyes gloss over. If you look at a company that's making a million dollars a year, you don't know what they do, you don't care. They make a million bucks. If your discount rate is 5%, that company's going to be worth 20 million bucks, right? If, right. if your discount rate is three-tenths of a percent, it's worth $33 million or more. So we're talking about almost a 40 to 45% increase. So when you're talking about these companies that are worth a trillion dollars, and the interest rate, whether the interest rate's going to be 55 or 3.5, that company is going to be jacking up and down like a, like a pogo stick w- with their prices because it's a huge difference. It's a massive difference. As to whether you're you're discounting stuff going forward at three and a half or seven, I mean what you, these housing prices, the difference between a three percent mortgage and a seven and a half, I can't believe how the, the population has not done the math on this yet, because the math well, is horrendous. It, it, because every but see here's the thing, every, and that's and that is sort of the point is everyone buys a payment, right? They don't buy a house. Yeah, that's well, well, same th- same thing with cars for the most part. Okay, people you, don't buy cars; they buy payments. But you you know that, and I know that. I'm not so sure the rest of the population. Is convinced on that? Oh no! I you know all I have to do is pull up Realtor dot com yeah. here and look at my local area, and the crazy is still here. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. So I mean, you know, you, let me know when the crazy goes away, and then okay, now we're back to where people. And, and what I've always tried to tell people with real estate is the bottom line is this: you can talk about migration. You know, people from New York they sell out, they come somewhere left here because it's cheaper. And da, 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 da. okay, it's all fine and well. The problem is that eventually ends, and the person who is going to buy your house from you at some point when you're done with it has to be able to make a living in the area where you live. Right. And with that money, they have to be able to make the payments. And if they can't do it, then you're going to have a problem two, five, ten, twenty years down the road. And well, uh, that's what your house is going to be worth at that point in time. Now you can look forward and you can project based on productivity, inflation rates, or whatever, and try to you know try to do that. All those things are uncertainties, so you have to put a discount factor on them. And uh, you know maybe this works out, maybe it doesn't. Well, that's why you but have to be the was... idea that, that new families coming up can somehow you know come up with what would require two hundred thousand dollars worth of household income. In a place where the average job is paying thirty-five grand a year, you people are out of your mind. Oh yeah, without a doubt. Well, now, last, last, I wait, waited too long on this one. The phenomenon, and you've always talked um, in, inter- intermittently. We only have a minute. You've always talked about the thing that the the, the, the slap in the system twenty-five years ago was that the houses end up having a second breadwinner, so you end up right. having two people go to work. Well. The phenomenon, from what I'm getting from Audrey and Nancy, our, our mortgage and real estate people on Monday, is Nancy says you're starting to get, not only are the husband and wife both working, the guys, if he's an accountant, he's doing side taxes for people, like on a Saturday or something. Um, how much slop is, how far can that go, I guess? And does that, does that account for another job? I mean, is that another job in the, I mean, what, how, how, how do they, people have two and three jobs, are, are we, are all those three jobs picked up in these surveys? I mean, is is, is a count as, does a guy count as three people? 
Well, he doesn't count as three people, but he does, but his income counts in the in the uh, per capita GDP and income columns. All right. So if I work at Menards from seven to three, and at night I go deliver pizzas, the Menards people don't know I'm delivering pizzas, and the pizza people how is how is it not counted as two jobs? Well, it, it, depending on the survey, in the, in the establishment survey, it does count as two jobs. The household, it does not. Unless you specifically say to somebody, my husband is actually working two jobs. Well, yeah, you're, you're, yeah, but that yeah. isn't what happens. They okay. call and, and, and do you have a job? <laughs> yeah, okay. <clears throat> and, but people don't say, yeah, I have two. Well, so I'm sure some do, but, you know, but I mean, that's not the point of the survey. The survey is, are you working? Okay. You see, our so schools are flying the, up yeah, here. That's, that's the way it's done. We we got ourselves set up after two down days. You could use a rally. Are we actually going to get one here, Carl? Looks like it. Uh, well, we'll see how long it lasts. But yeah, I mean, this like I said, the internals. If I look at this, this this is going to add fuel to the people who say the Fed's going to slow down. I would agree with you. All right, take care of yourself, buddy. Talk at you next week. Uh, your team. Uh, you're not a Tennessee guy, but you guys are number one now, right? Oh, on the on the contrary, I uh, really enjoyed the uh, the butt kicking that was handed out last week, and uh, we're going to see what happens uh, this time around. And well, you know, yeah. right, simple question: Are you an always Tennessee fan, or are you a good time Charlie? Oh no, I'm a well. I mean, I live here now, but the, but these guys actually have a team, and they're actually playing well. This isn't just about you know, okay, it's Tennessee. It's that there is actually something there, there. Yeah, okay, and that's uh, that's that's a pleasant surprise. Homegrown or transfer? Most of them. I'm sorry. Are these guys homegrown or are they transfer guys? Everybody's got transfer. You know, guys. I, I I haven't dug into it that uh, you know that carefully, but I, it, last week the defense was just an iron wall after the first quarter. Wow. Good for you guys. I hope the Irish can at least show decent against Clemson tomorrow. I don't know about that. Take care of yourself. SP Futures now up 49. NASA Futures up 170. So, so far, we're off to the races. Back on Monday, Stocks and Jacks. What do we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. I guess we learned not to do it again. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.